Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so good to see you this morning and to welcome you to Woodland. And it's good to welcome our online campuses this morning and say thank you so much for being here and worshiping the Lord with us. On this Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk to you about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, Pentecost Sunday was not something that we observed in the little church I grew up in. And it was not something I ever really heard anything about until I took my first course in church history. And I thought, and ever since that time, there should never be a time that we do not just celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we talked about last week in the message, it's kind of confusing sometimes for people to understand what do we mean about the Holy Spirit. God is a God that reveals himself as three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you ask me if I understand that, no. If you ask me if I believe that, yes. I have wrestled with all of the illustrations. None of them ever seem to suffice. And sometimes even the language hurts us, you know. How many of you ever heard this phrase, the Holy Ghost? You know, as kind of a you know, we don't like to talk about ghosts very much. And by the way, I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe in the Holy Ghost. But I, I like that word Holy Spirit so much better because that's the Greek word pneuma. As a matter of fact, I thought about naming this series Numa, and then I had this picture out on the sign in front of the church flashing Numa, and everybody driving by going, what in the world is Numa? Well, Numa is a Greek word for Holy Spirit. It's for the word spirit, and it's where we get that, that beautiful word from. God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we talked last week how that one of my professors taught us that the Father thought our salvation, that Jesus Christ bought our salvation, and then he used a word we don't use very much anymore, and he says the Holy Spirit wrought our salvation, or the Holy Spirit works out that salvation in us. So those three words I ask you to remember, thought, bought, and wrought. And you can go back and listen to last week's message. But today, I want to talk to you about what every single Christian believes or confesses that they believe, and that is, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He's invisible. He's untamed. He's wild. He's free. He's like the wind. Who knows where the wind comes from? There are times when there are gentle breezes, and then there are times where up here in Michigan, our roofs are being blown off. If you live in Florida, like some of my family do, there are times when hurricanes come through, and they have to evacuate and come back and deal with the damage later. I was on a flight speaking in Panama City. I was on a flight to Panama City, and this lady sitting beside me told me she lived there in Panama City. And I said, how do you like living in the city? She says, well, actually, we live on the coast, but we're thinking we're going to have to move. I said, why? She says, because the winds are so wild and the hurricanes are so unpredictable. And I thought to myself, that's kind of like God. He is so unpredictable, you never know just exactly how His Spirit's going to move in our lives. And I just want to ask a question. You don't have to raise your hand. You can nod at me if you'd like, but how many of you have ever felt like the Holy Spirit asked you to do something or impressed you to do something or gave you a sense you ought to do this, and it was totally unpredictable, and it was kind of the out-of-the-box thing? 
Yeah, a lot of you do. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that, it's that unexpected movement of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me out of respect for the word of the Lord. And if you're watching with us online or you're a guest today, and maybe you wonder why we clap after a song. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. I'm not much of a shouter, but sometimes I just need to say hallelujah or come on victory. It, we lift our hands because the Apostle Paul said, I wish that men everywhere would lift, and that includes you ladies as well. I wish that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. We want to be a church that worships and communicates with the Lord. So I hope that helps you to understand. Look at Ephesians 5.18 with me. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. We have a whole ministry here dedicated to that of people that alcohol has ruined their lives. I was in the doctor's office having a cast removed, and the young man removing my cast looked up at me and says, Pastor, I just want to thank you so much for the AA ministry. And then began to tell me the difference that ministry had made in his life and that God had made in his life. That will ruin your life, he says. And I took me a long time as a young man to figure out why, and I don't pretend to have the last word, but why, then this sentence would be the next sentence that follows. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you'll look with me at the book of Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to read through the first verse of Matthew chapter 4. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Lord, I look at that and I go... If being filled with the Holy Spirit means that I'm going to be tempted, I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be tempted. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? But there is a correlation there that I want us to see for the world we're living in today. So would you join me in pray this morning? Father, I'm so thankful, so extremely thankful to be in your presence this morning and together with the body of Christ. And Lord, as we turn to your word for wisdom and guidance and direction this morning, we ask you, would you open our eyes and help us to see things that we've never seen before? Your word always unlocks mysteries to us. Lord, would you help us to love your will like we've never loved your will before? And Father, I'm asking you as well to help us love you and follow you, Lord. Even if we don't always understand for the scripture itself says, great is the mystery of godliness, but help us to love you and to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And now it's my prayer. If there's one thing I want for this church, for those watching online this morning, Father, I want, beginning with myself and my family, fill us afresh, surge in our lives, O Holy Spirit of God as we study your word together today. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. It seems to me as the more I read the scriptures that a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit 
is always communicating with God. Maybe not consciously, you know, I hope to always be in communication with Becky, even though today she's in Georgia, tax season is over, and she's worshiping with her mother in their home church today. And although we're constantly thinking about one another, we're constantly communicating, we're sending messages to each other. And the fact that we're always communicating and always thinking about each other doesn't mean that we always get along. Do you know? I sometimes think, because I want you to know how much I love my wife, and my wife loves me, but we're two very, very strong personalities. I mean, we're both firstborns. We both have a call of God on our lives. And if you've ever read anything about birth order by Dr. Kevin Lehman, you know exactly what I'm saying. There are times that I can say something that means nothing, and Becky goes, what do you mean by that? There are times Becky can say something, and I know better than to say it, so I just think it. What do you mean by that? You see, we're constantly communicating, and every once in a while, I have to recognize that in that communication, there can be a breakdown. There have been times on a Sunday morning, I get up before anybody else in the family does. I get up, I have my coffee. There are times Becky will come downstairs on Sunday morning, there will be that warm embrace, that kiss, that hug, and then she can say something, and I go, what do you mean by that? And I have to stop, because I realize that what's about to happen if I allow it or if she allows it, we open up the door to the evil one to bring about strife in our home, which is going to affect the ministry here at the church or ministry at the day. And you say, well, pastor, that's just normal. Couples often have problems communicating. Don't I know it? I've been a pastor for almost 50 years. I think I've heard every story you can hear about communication problems and issues. But I also know that if we're not careful, we can open ourselves up to another unseen area of the spiritual world, the one the Apostle Paul would talk about when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, right after marriage, about principalities and powers. And of course, we live in a world today that largely has dismissed the belief in any sort of unseen world. And so, The further we get from the cross, the further people get from believing in a God that really is and in a Jesus that really died upon the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead and is coming back again one day for us. We begin to disbelieve in the Holy Spirit and His presence in our life. And by that same token, we also begin to disbelieve in those principalities and powers of darkness that war against every single one of us in here and war against our family members and war against our communities and the nations of this world. Jesus, when he was baptized, something miraculous happened in his life. The Holy Spirit came and descended upon Christ. I love that word in the New Living Translation, the Holy Spirit lighted or lit upon Christ. He came upon the Lord. Jesus began his ministry at that time. It didn't mean that he wasn't the sinless son of God, the virgin-born son of Mary, but for 30 years, Jesus had lived his life in such a way that unlike you and me, he pleased God in everything he did. 
unlike you and me, he was sinless, and all of his choices had been spotless and sinless. And so you hear the voice of the Father from heaven saying, and there you see the Trinity, the Father speaking from heaven, Jesus being baptized, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit lighting upon Christ or anointing Christ is what that's really all about. And you hear the voice of the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What's he saying? I'm well pleased with how he's lived his life. I'm well pleased with what he's done with his life. I'm well pleased with the way Christ is living. And the Holy Spirit then anointed Jesus, and we don't know a whole lot about those first years of his life. I think that's intentionally so. There are a lot of speculation. There are people wrote stories about how Jesus would make little clay pigeons and then pitch them up in the air and the pigeons would come to life and fly away. There are stories about Jesus having raised the dead as a little boy. We don't know any of that. All of that, I personally believe, is just left myth and legends that people made up in order to make, try to make Jesus sound like this little boy that was unlike your little boy or my little boys, that somehow or another he was different. He was different, but he didn't use his power, his Godhead, to do things to impress people or to show off. I love to watch little kids showing off sometimes, don't you? I love to watch my little niece. She's the only girl soccer player on her team. Go girl athletes. She is tough. I remember the first soccer game I went to watch Summerlin play. We call her Summy. I remember the first soccer game we went to watch her play, and I looked at Summy. She's so feminine. She's so petite. She is absolutely just cute, you know? And I saw those boys on the opposing team, and I looked at her, her dad, Justin, my nephew, and I said, Justin, they're going to eat her lunch. You know what it's like. He says, Uncle Dennis, watch Summy. Boy, the game started. Summy was right in the midst of it. If they kicked, she kicked. She ran up and down the soccer field in Florida. And we were on the side cheering, Summy, run! Summy, we were just calling out. We were cheering her on. And if I watched Summy I, a little bit, I looked over at Justin, and I kind of smiled, and I said, that's the genetics of the Clanton family coming out right there. That's genetics, friends. She'd run over the side. She'd get rehydrated. Then she'd run back out there again. And boy, at the end of the game, we were all high-fiving something. Nobody, nobody on that team outperformed her that day. She was given by her coach and her teammates cheering for her. She was given a little trophy announcing her the player of the day that day for the team. We were so proud of Summy. I got to thinking about that later. And genetics do play a lot in that. But I'll tell you something else that played a lot. It was a fact that her family and her Uncle Dennis and Aunt Becky and everybody was on the sidelines. She's the only girl on the team, and they're going, yay, Summy, yay, Summy, yay. She was different than the rest of the boys on that team. You see, we need a family, and we need the right genetics. We don't have the genetics that Jesus had, but since we have been adopted and born again, Somehow or another, supernaturally, God has made us his children. God has done something by his spirit in our lives. 
So the Apostle Paul would describe it this way, that we have completely become a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? Hallelujah. Everything has become new in our lives. The sin nature has been crucified. Something different and marvelous has transformed in our lives. So a person is filled with the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, constantly communicating with God. They sense this because they're full of the Holy Spirit. God is near. You can't tell them that God is not near. They know God is near. They sense his presence. He's always with them. The second thing is they delight in the presence of God. They love his presence. They, they love the presence of the Lord. When we sing these songs sometimes about the presence of the Lord, we long for more and more of his presence. And guys, I'm not to those main points yet. I'm back up at the very top of where it's, uh, if you'll look at those sub points. The third thing is we find ourselves as believers, we are thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't mean we're thankful for every circumstance, but we're thankful in all circumstances. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do I give God thanks that I was born disabled? No. Do I give God thanks for all the things that happened? No, but I learned how to give God thanks despite those things. It is not just a matter of having a positive attitude, but it's a matter of coming to understand that God's plan is always better than my plan. I have never one time been so bold as to pray this way. I've wanted to pray this way. You know, let me, can I be honest and confess? You know, I've already told you Becky and I are not the perfect couple. We're a great couple. You're great couples, but I'm telling you we're not the perfect couple, but I haven't always prayed the perfect prayer because there's been a lot of times I have prayed this way. I didn't say it this way because I wasn't bold enough. I wasn't audacious enough, but I wanted to say, God, my will good, your will bad. You ever been that way? <laughs> God, my will good, your will bad. And so when I sounded real religious going, not my will, but thy will be done, I was still convinced my way was better than God's way. And we learn how to be thankful because we see God unfolding everything. We love to express our joy in God through music. I mean, this is what Paul was writing about in Ephesians when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was talking about singing, making melody in your hearts, People who are spirit-filled love music. It's the reason we love to sing to the Lord. And you don't have to be in church to sing to the Lord. Sometimes you just simply get into his presence by yourself, and you sing. And if your kids are like my kids sometimes, they go, Dad, lower the volume. If your friends are like my friends sometimes, hey, let's turn on the radio. <laughs> Because we love to sing. I mean, you're full of the Holy Spirit. But we also, we, we enjoy building one another up and edifying one another. We love to, to encourage each other. We love, if you can let me say it this way, we love to boast about one another and brag about one another. We don't like to brag and boast about ourselves, but we love to edify each other. But above all, we are filled with Christ. To be Spirit-filled means we are filled with Christ. I want us to have this anointing this morning. You see, this anointing, if I understand correctly what I'm reading here, from the baptism of Jesus, it means that I can be discerning in times of darkness. 
that I can understand things, I can see things in times of darkness that I wouldn't normally see. I think you would agree with me. These are strange times that we're living in. These are times when objectivity doesn't seem to matter much anymore, that objective truth doesn't matter anymore. But what I think, what I believe, what I say matters more than perhaps even what science says. I recently asked somebody when they said, I trust the science, and I said, well, what does the science say? And they said, well, I don't know. I just trust the science. Well, I don't know everything that science says, but I do know a few things that science says. And some of the things that we're denying in our world today about human sexuality, about marriage, about relationships, these are times of darkness because like in the book of Judges, we want to choose every man, every woman, what we think is the right way. We need discernment now more than ever. We need to see clearly. Years ago in the 70s, I took a group of college students while cave exploring we spent two days inside of a mountain with our, with our guide, climbing cliffs, crawling through tunnels, going through mud, crossing rivers. It was an exhilarating experience for most of us. You've heard Becky's side of the story. You need to hear my side of the story. It was exhilarating. It was fun. But I will never forget the guide one time having us to all shut our little carbon lamps off of our helmets and complete darkness descended upon us. And he said, if we lost our lights, we would lose our way. You see, in that cave, I needed light. My youth group needed light. My college group, parents wouldn't let their high school students go on this trip. My college group needed light. We need light to be able to see clear. That's what discern means, to discern in these times. Look at Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 with me. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. I want you to see that phrase, the heavens were opened. Suddenly, prior to that first 30 years of his life, Jesus, who grew up as a regular boy, Jesus, who grew up as a regular man, Jesus, who had pleased God with his sinless life, suddenly he was sensitized to the things that are unseen but are real in this world. It's the reason that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. He said, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And because the religious leaders of their day and the quasi-religious political leaders of their day did not understand the will of God. They never understood how the will of God was done in an unseen place called heaven. It was said of Pope John Paul II of one of the biographies I read of his life that during the collapse of the Soviet Union, it was said by Soviet leaders as protests began to take place throughout Central Europe, led primarily by the church, led primarily by praying young people in the streets, that the Pope didn't have an army the way the Soviet Union had. Friends, I want you to know the powers of the unseen world far surpass the powers of this world. 
And I have sat in Poland. I've sat on the very rooftop of the restaurant across the streets where Vaclav Havel gave that famous speech where thousands gathered wanting to freedom of worship and freedom from the communistic dictatorship. I preached in some of those small churches that were house churches that have now become thriving congregations and how all of them survived was they knew that they were battling principalities and powers of darkness that were greater than Stasi, that were greater than FSB, that were greater than the Soviet Union. They knew that God was in control. And we need that discernment in the times we're living in. Jesus was led into the wilderness. He faced the devil with the word of God only. And if you'll look at Matthew 4:11, the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. That unseen world of angels. Now, they're not anything like you find in the Hallmark store. As a matter of fact, we're not even told to try to contact angels or pray to angels. But they're here. One night I was praying with Benjamin when he was a munchkin. Knelt by his bed, prayed with him, kissed him goodnight, and And I said, you know, Ben, the Bible says that the angels of the Lord watch over us while we sleep. I said, there are angels right here in this room. Those eyes popped open as big as saucers, and he says, where? I said, well, they're everywhere. We can't see them. He looks at me, and he says, tell them to go away. Tell him to go away. The unseen frightened my little boy at that time. Of course, he understands so much more now than he did then. And maybe the unseen kind of frightens you when we talk about angels and principalities. But there's a reason that God wants you filled with the Holy Spirit. Scott McKnight, who writes a blog called The Jesus Creed, says that modern people are unaware of the cosmic forces that continue to wage war against God. And some people have chosen not to believe in such evil forces. Here's this brilliant theologian writing and saying that some of the problems that people in our world face is they refuse to recognize there is assistance from an unseen realm. They came and ministered to Jesus, and the book of Hebrews says that they are also sent to minister to the people that would inherit salvation. But there's also this unseen spiritual world that wars against you and I. And the Scrutators Writing in the introduction, C.S. Lewis wrote this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialistic, a materialist or a magician with the same delight. What's he saying? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so I can see clearly and discern clearly. And maybe you're thinking this morning as a thinking Christian would, Pastor, I believe that and I understand that. But do your children understand that? Do your college students understand that? Because I'm having multiple conversations with them 
over coffee, sometimes over a Zoom call, multiple conversations with them about the confusion of a world who no longer believes in the unseen world, the confusion of a world who's not only rejected belief in God, atheism is one thing, but rejected also the belief of those hostile powers that war against every community and every school and every church. And as I tell your students and your children, we do not have to fear them, but we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're going to be discerning. We would pull water out of the well on the family farm. By the time we would empty it, maybe a 20th of the bucket had emptied through the holes that were in the bucket. And I always used to say, why don't we ever replace this bucket? And wrong question. This bucket has been, my daddy hung this bucket. It's been here. We're not getting rid of that bucket. It's kind of like some people's traditions and beliefs. We're not ever getting rid of that. But that bucket reminds me of my life. Because when Becky says something and I go, what do you mean by that? It's often those times that I really realize I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When a friend says something and I go, what do you mean by that? It's often those times I realize I'm leaking. God knows I need to be refilled and the devil knows I need to be refilled. And it's my choice because it's in the aorist tense. It's my choice to choose to go to God according to what I read you from the book of Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. And if there's anything I'm fully persuaded of, you and I, we need a fresh surging of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this Pentecost Sunday reminds us one more time, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord over and over and over again. The second thing that I want you to see is that God's love deepens my confidence. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I got to tell you, that had to mean something to Jesus. That had to mean something incredible to the Lord. My father, before we ever moved to Michigan, I was getting ready to make a long trip overseas where I was going to be speaking in several places, and I'd ask him to come help me do some things around the house and, you know, things to be sure everything was taken care of for Becky and the boys and Amy while I was gone. And dad came over and we spent the morning getting everything done, or I spent the morning actually watching daddy get everything done, handing him what he'd asked for. And he left and I was going in to get a shower and get ready because I had a overnight flight And after I got showered and got ready, I heard Daddy's truck pull back up in the driveway of our home. And I went outside and I said, Dad, everything okay? And he goes, son, I got halfway home. And I just wanted to come back and tell you how much I love you. I wanted to tell you how happy I am about your life choices. I wanted to tell you that I think you're a good husband and you're a good dad. If you ever hear me tell you once in a while you're a good husband or a good wife, I learned it that day, sitting, standing in the driveway, hugging my father. He said, I just wanted to tell you how much I love you. He got in his truck and left. You see, every child needs to hear the voice of their father saying, I love you. I am pleased with you. 
We may make different choices than what our parents would make, but they still need to hear. And you say, why? Because God's love deepens my confidence in Jesus. I am confident in Jesus because how could God send his son to die for my sins at Calvary? I am confident in what Christ's work's done because I know that God loves me. He's not angry with me. He's saving me from myself. He's saving me from my sins. He's saving me from eternal hell. But my confidence in Christ is so deep that I can hear what the Apostle Paul is saying and it resonates in my spirit. I know the one in whom I trust. I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. I just don't know about Jesus. You just don't know about Jesus, but we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior this morning. And when he says this, this little sentence that I just read to you, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, God is going to guard the new believers. God is going to guard my soul. And God is, God is going to guard everything and keep everything that I've committed to him. That's the reason I can sing that song that Andre Crouch wrote in the 70s. I've got confidence God is going to see me through. No matter what the devil may do, I know my God is going to see me through. Can somebody give him a hand of praise this morning? A few weeks ago, I was participating in the ordination of missionaries. And after the service, there was someone there that I knew from Florida. And they came up to me and they said, you know, watching you tonight, I saw your daddy. I saw your daddy. I'm 65 years old, and yet that made my heart swell. I want to tell you something. I am confident of my identity in Christ. And a person that is not filled with the Holy Spirit begins to doubt. It's not chill bumps. You may have those. I'm not a chill bump kind of guy. Sometimes I think I'd like to have them just to know what's so special about it. You know, I've never fallen down. I've never needed to fall down. I'm confident in Christ. I had a group of people when they heard I had never, quote, been slain in the spirit. They decided they were going to pray till I was slain in the spirit. And they wouldn't stop. And it went on and on, and my wife was laughing. And I looked at her, I smiled, and I fell down. I just took a courtesy drop. <laughs> they were clapping. They were so happy because now I had been slain in the spirit. We got in the car. Thankfully, Becky looked at me, and she says, God is going to get you for that. <laughs> I said, nope. He was getting bored with it all as well. <laughs> I'm not mocking the experiences of those that have happened. But nobody can put us in a box and say, this is the way it's going to happen every time. 
I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I find no New Testament justification for the lack of the work of God. I'm just simply saying, I have an identity in Jesus Christ. I am a son of God, and you and I may see things different, walk differently, but we're all going to be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and I would rather have that than a drop on the floor. I'd rather have that than a chill bump any day. I want the love, the peace, the joy, the patience, the kindness, the long-suffering, the tenderness, the self-control that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now give him one more hand of praise this morning. I'm being told I have to stop. It's time for the next service. I'm going to finish. I'm the pastor. I am empowered to do the will of God. That's what being spirit-filled is. Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Mm. If you're going to do the will of God, you're going to face opposition. And that reason I use the New American Standard translation, it's a literal word-for-word translation. A lot of the modern translations have the word led, but it literally means led up. And when I was studying in Israel, we literally went up. There are a lot of symbols of the Holy Spirit, but I think this is an important one this morning. God is always going to call you a little higher and a little higher and lead you up. God is always going to take you to places. Sometimes it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's the pneuma. Remember I said the breath, the wind. It's like the wind of God filling your cells and propelling you along. You see, this above list that I wanted to share with you about the gift, the fruit of the Spirit, it's all about being Spirit-led, how to be a loving person, how to be a patient person, how to be a kind person, how to be a person with self-control. And maybe we can come back to that another time. But how do you, how do you this morning become filled with the Holy Spirit? If you haven't yet, then give your life to Jesus. I'm telling you right now, and I want you to listen carefully to me. If there is a stirring in your heart, if there's something you want to give your life to Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart's door You may have always doubted this. You may be like a lady who gave her church, her heart to Christ here at the church, and she said, I experienced something I never experienced before. She said, I felt drawn to Jesus. I've never been drawn to Jesus. I've never been drawn to church, but I came because I was invited and I wanted to spend the day with my friend, but I was drawn to Jesus, and God radically changed her life. So I'm asking you this morning, give your life to Christ. You say, why? The Bible says that Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Never, he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. In the spirit, you don't have to suffer for your sins. Christ suffered for your sins. God is not making you sick this morning. God is not making you lose your job. There are unseen forces we battle against, and you are vulnerable to those forces until you surrender your life to Christ. The second thing, if you want to stay stay full of the Holy Spirit, is set aside time to prayerfully and thoughtfully read the Bible every day. 
It's not important how much of it you read at a time. It's just important that you pray the word back to God. And we'll help you get started with that if you don't know how. We'll, we've got small groups. We've got curriculum. We'll help you get started with how to read and how to enjoy your Bible. I went shrimping off the coast of Georgia with a man that barely had an education but loved the Bible. Loved the Bible. One day I was preaching in a little town called Brunswick, Georgia. You heard about it in the news last year. Called me up and says, Preacher, you ever been saning? I said, yeah, we've saned some of the ponds on the farm. He goes, no, I'm talking about saning in the Atlantic Ocean. So we went saning. We caught a shark. I don't ever want to do that again. But the whole time we're out there, I am impressed with how this grizzly, missing half of his teeth, man that had been an alcoholic, had been transformed by the word of the Lord. And all we did while we were saying was talk about the Bible, talk about what God's, God was giving him an education. And the reason he was so happy about it is because he was reading it back and praying. This is interesting. Look at John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. I give my sac myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Christ has paid it all. But there's something about reading the Bible and meditating in it daily that keeps us filled with the Holy Spirit and makes us the kind of people that are holy, loving, patient, kind, peaceful. And then finally this morning, make the spiritual disciplines a holy habit. I'll just read one sentence here. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Would you stand with me this morning? You can read the rest of that later today. I would make every effort. If I'm feeling dry, if I've been feeling powerless, if I haven't been feeling that need to communicate and be close to the Lord, if I find in my family that communication is broken sometime, I want to remind you, you have the spiritual genetics of God in your life. That doesn't mean you're God. It doesn't mean I'm God. But you have the spiritual genetics. You can run with the big boys. Because there is a church and there is a family of Christ that's on the sidelines cheering for you when you're in the game coach. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's called alongside to coach us as we live this life for Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for friends that are here and watching online, that if they've never given their hearts to Jesus, or maybe they've wandered away from their faith commitment, 
They're like the lady I talked about in the prayer service last night. Her son's faith, Lord, brought her back. I'm asking you right now, help them to know you love them. They have a new identity. And you want to fill them with your presence. So if that's you, would you just pray something simply like this? And this is, this is where it all begins. Say, Father, you can call God Father. Father, I believe Jesus suffered and died for my sins once and for all. And I believe you raised him on the third day. And that by this triumphant resurrection, in faith in what he has done, I can be born again. I don't understand it all, but I make my stand here today. I commit my life to you in Jesus' holy name. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, grant you favor in everything you do so you can be prosperous and productive for his kingdom. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.